This episode today is brought to you by Radio Cab, Portland's best transportation option. Download the Radio Cab app and leave the driving to us for a night out at the Symphony or any other place you need to go. Safe, local, reliable. Radio Cab, driver and veteran owned since 1946. Why do we sound so good? Because we're at Dead Aunt Thelma's studio and Mike Moore is engineering for us. Thanks, Dead Aunt Thelma's. Thanks, Mike. This week, we have an embarrassment of riches. The first episode this week is going to be about the Portland Book Festival. And then about 25 minutes after that will be an interview with Chip Miller from Portland Center Stage, who directed Redwood. That's going to be running until November 17th, and I've got to put in a plug. I saw it opening night. Don't miss it. Enjoy. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Adventures in Artslandia. Today, I'm talking to Amanda Bullock, director of the Portland Book Festival and director of public programs at Literary Arts. The Portland Book Festival is coming up on November 9th, and it is absolutely brilliant. I was just sitting here with Amanda talking about trying to get your head around everything that's coming on. It's incredible event and a whole weekend with a really a single day at the heart of it. Yeah, thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you so much, and thanks for having me. We like to say it's one unmissable day. Yes. So, um, But there are you can make a whole kind of nerd fest weekend out of some of the partner events and other things we have going on. So well, I love when we were just talking, you talked about how the festival is kind of a, a, the points of discovery mm-hmm. within it. And I found that when I was zipping around on uh, the website, which is literary-arts.org. Mm-hmm. Go there. It is an embarrassment of riches, uh, certainly literary arts and the arts and lecture series, but this book festival is incredible. Uh, Portland authors, authors from all over the world. Mm -hmm. And um, I found a poet. There's going to be many poets there Mm -hmm. uh, that I did not... I found a poet that I hadn't read before, and so I thought, well, maybe I'll read a poem from her work because she'll be at the festival. I like that even before you're at the festival, you're already discovering new work. Like, that's great. It's so much yeah. fun. So this piece is Ars Poetica, and it's by Dorothea Lasky. I wanted to tell the veterinary assistant about the cat video Jason sent me, but I resisted for fear she'd think it strange. I am very lonely. Yesterday, my boyfriend called me drunk again and interspersed between ringing tears and clinginess, he screamed at me with a kind of bitterness no other human had before to my ears and told me that I was no good. Well, maybe he didn't mean that, but that is what I heard. When he told me my life was not worthwhile and my life's work the work of the elite. I say I want to save the world, but really I want to write poems all day. I want to rise write poems, go to sleep, write poems in my sleep, make my dreams poems, make my body a poem with beautiful clothes. I want my face to be a poem. I have just learned how to apply eyeliner to the corners of my eyes to make them appear wide. There is a romantic abandon in me always. I want to feel the dread for others. I can feel it through song. Only through song am I able to sum up so many words into a few. Like when he said, I am no good. I am no good. Goodness is not the point anymore. Holding on to things. Now that's the point. Ars Poetica by Dorothea Lasky. I just love that. Thank you. Yeah. That was so nice. You're a good reader. That was nice to hear. Yeah. 
I'm just moved by poetry. I think a lot of people are today. And in fact, we had talked about Poetry Foundation. That's my homepage now. Oh, that's great. The news is a little tough. Yeah. I love their um, podcast, The Slowdown. It's like a really nice break from everything else. So, yes. Yeah. And it helps kind of focus on something beautiful and minute mm-hmm. in a way. But also like impossibly expansive. Yes. That's, so. I guess that's poetry for you. Yeah. <laughs> and actually um, Dottie is coming with Alex Dimitrov and they are the Astro Poets. Mm-hmm. They're famous on Twitter. Yes. Um, f- and they have a book coming out that's your your guides to the, 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 the Zodiac. So they're very like modern but very poetic and they've talked before about how they see astrology as like the relationship between astrology and poetry so it should be a really fun event they're really they're really amazing oh i can't wait and now of course that i love this poem i'm Mm -hmm. sure now i'm gonna look that up i'll probably go over to broadway books buy the book good yeah it's so much fun it's interesting nowadays in this age of kind of isolationism Mm -hmm. books are a way when you are alone but it doesn't feel like you are yeah, I think there's – we just had um, Jacqueline Woodson at Portland Arts and Lectures earlier this year, and she was talking a lot about how books can be windows and doors or mm-hmm. doors, and certain books might resonate with you because you see yourself in them, mm-hmm. but other books will resonate because you're you're meeting someone or, like, a type of person that you've never encountered before and, mm. and opening new, like, doors in your worldview, mm-hmm. so – and I think something like the the density of the festival and that discoverability and that opportunity that we were talking about is a really great chance. Like you might come because like, oh, maybe you heard that poem and you really loved it and you want to come meet Dorothy Alasky, but your festival pass gets you into all the events all day long. So it's a really great opportunity to to try something new. Oh my gosh. How on earth do you create this list of authors who are coming Mm -hmm. in how do you it seems as though you really are good at rotating and making sure that lots of people have an opportunity to be a part yeah that's a big goal um we do the festival features new books Mm -hmm. so the official publication window is 15 months but it's pretty much mostly books from 2019 Mm. and so that makes sure that i i as a curator and everyone else who works on the festival are continually searching for new work and and keeping uh, on top of like what's coming out and what's new so that it, there's so many amazing writers just in Portland it would be really easy to feature the same folks over and over again mm-hmm. and we definitely have a spotlight on local and regionally local artists but that makes sure that we're we're always we always have new stuff we're always like looking for for great new work and there's a really 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 good crop of debuts in the festival this year too oh interesting i see renee denfeld is going to be there this year and her new book the butterfly girl Mm -hmm. recently came out yeah and uh she's a brilliant portland author she's amazing we're big fans of her she did an interview at last year's festival and she did um the festival for the book right before the butterfly girl also mm-hmm. so it'll be fun to have her back yeah i imagine yeah. and mitchell s jackson as well who has Hometown his hero new book. yeah and uh the residue years was everybody reads in 2015 mm-hmm. but now he's got his new book survival math which yes. i just finished it's great what a magnificent writer mm-hmm. and fascinating portlander who's now not living here but mm-hmm. but yeah. still writes a lot about portland oh so. yeah it's yeah. just survival math is 
wonderful. I yeah. loved it. I recommend it highly. Same, same. We're really glad that he could come for the festival. It's it's really fun to celebrate him. Yeah. So, so now, uh, this is the fifth year that Literary Arts has programmed the Portland yes. Book Festival. Yes. So how did that relationship I mean, it's, it's an obvious relationship, Yeah. Um, but how did that all come to pass? Because I know sure. in the past, the festival was called Wordstock. It was, yeah. So Wordstock, before becoming a program of literary arts, mm -hmm. was run by itself. It was run by a dedicated organization who did the festival and did some, they had a program called Community, F Community for Writers. I never worked for them, so I might mm -hmm. be getting that wrong. Yeah, that's all right. Um, and they had in 2013 was the last festival that was produced by that organization. Mm -hmm. It used to be two days and at the convention center. Um, and they approached literary arts about acquiring the festival. Mm -hmm. It had become unsustainable for that organization. Mm -hmm. So throughout 2014, literary arts, I wasn't there yet. Literary arts was um, figuring out whether it was a project that they could take on. And so they decided to, they hired me. I moved here from New York in 2015 mm -hmm. to work on the festival relaunch. So there was no festival in 2014. And then the festival relaunched in 2015 as a one-day program. And we moved to the Southwest Park Blocks. The mm -hmm. Portland Art Museum was an important partner from the very beginning. Mm. And then last year, we changed the name to Portland Book Festival. Nice. So, yeah. Portland is a city of books. It's true. And not just I mean, because of Powell's. Yeah. It's it's very wonderful to see people connecting through mm -hmm. literature. Yeah. I mean, the fact that 8,500 people come out on a sometimes rainy November mm -hmm. Saturday yes. uh, for this for this day of books and reading and storytelling is, is really amazing. Yeah. I've been mentoring a young lady mm -hmm. out in my neck of the woods in East County, and we went to the library the other day, and she couldn't find her library card, and we got her a new one, and mm -hmm. oh my gosh, she was over the moon. We sat on the floor and read aloud, and I, I just, it's so much fun. Both of my daughters are mm -hmm. grown up, and so I share books with them in a certain way, but to yeah. be back with a young person, and you have an incredible lineup of uh, youth writers. I Thank I, you, yeah. You know, and it's just amazing. Uh, Graham Annable, Janice Bond, Vicki Conrad, and David Hone. Mm -hmm. um, it's incredible. What type of events do you have for children? Yeah, the there's fair? events for all ages, mm -hmm. so... Oregon Historical Society is the home of the kids' stage. Mm -hmm. And so in the morning, we have story time events there for younger kids with picture book authors. And then in the afternoon, we have conversations with middle grade authors, so from middle school age kids. Mm -hmm. And then we have an all-day young adult stage as well. Um, and so all ages, kids at heart. The picture book authors also participate in panel discussions that are more about the process of creating picture books. So mm -hmm. they're all ages, but they're design more to like invite adults in a little bit who are interested in kind of what it's like to be a picture book author. Mm. So there's a, there's a bunch of different opportunities to catch those folks. And that's a really fun space to be at, at the festival too. Emily Arrow, who's a really amazing, um, artist and musician. She writes songs for ukulele based on picture books. So she hosts the picture book stage all day. Janice Bond, who you mentioned, her mm -hmm. book, um, A Zebra Plays Zither. She's bringing, I think, an 18-piece children's band with her for what? her story time. That's incredible. <laughs> so it's like, and we have outside 
the kids stage, um, there's a little like pavilion area, mm-hmm. OHS. And so we're putting a, a heated tent there because again, possibly rainy Saturday in November. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to have free craft activities for kids. There's a Where's Waldo. He'll be around the festival. If you see him three times, you can enter to win a prize from Candlewick. There's a reading nook there. There's going to be a fun little photo booth. So there's really something something for all ages and every type of reader is, is really what we're hoping for. Oh, it's so wonderful. I love that there are going to be so many events in various locations around the city also to introduce people to all sorts of organizations that maybe they haven't had a chance to yeah. to visit. Yeah, the festival kind of kickoff, not kind of, kickoff mm-hmm. event is Lit Crawl Portland, which mm-hmm. is on Friday, November 8th, and is totally free and open to the public. Mm-hmm. All of the events are free. It's like a progressive progressive book and literary event party Party. basically they (laughs) call it madcap Mm -hmm. so um but there's several events happening at once at different locations downtown there's three phases so you kind of move around all the venues are very walkable from Mm -hmm. each other and a lot of the programs in lit crawl are interactive so there's a trivia there's a bingo there's a couple different readings that are really highly themed there's poetry karaoke which mm. has become a lit crawl classic now wow and then an after party with tin house and so that's a really fun way and a lot of the festival authors are participating in lit crawl events and then it's also an opportunity to showcase some local reading series and local organizations um, so it's really fun well, I also brought my copy of The Residue Years, and I thought I'd read a little bit from that. I know it's not from the book that Mitchell S. Jackson is currently talking about, but I just thought it was so lovely. And I checked out my copy of Survival Math from the library, so I had to return it. Oh, no. <laughs> I would have read from that mm-hmm. if I had it. So this is from the prologue, and uh, it says, We know what really happens. This visit is this. Champ. It's years beyond the worst of it, and it's your time, Mom. A time of head starts and new starts and starting and going and not stopping. Of redos and fixes, of gazing at full moons and quarter moons and seeing what before were phantasms for reals. If this streak keeps up, it will. Why not? You've got the rest of your life. Hell yeah, it's a life, minus fat-mouthing no accounts. You hope, no, we hope, you and your eldest, that this year, next year, and the years after are an age of heartbeats, steady breath, and a healing for your harms. I just love that. He's great. He's great. And you can listen to him talk about survival math, his newest Mm -hmm. book, and he's also teaching. I guess that's often a part of an author's life is being a teacher as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and we actually offer workshops as part of the festival as well. Yes. um, All day Saturday during the festival, they're at the Northwest Film Center, Mm who's another venue partner of ours. Um, Because Literary Arts offers workshops throughout the year. So Mm -hmm. that's also a good way to, to get kind of a taste for that and maybe try a new teacher that you haven't had before or some people come in from out of town some of the festival authors like Brenda Shaughnessy and Michelle Philgate are teaching classes and your workshop registration of course comes with a festival pass as well so that's pretty thrilling your day yeah and what a great way also to connect with other writers mm-hmm. yeah it's a great community it's it's um yeah how many uh people did you have come to the festival last year uh 8,500 8,500 and how mm-hmm. many do you plan on this year 
Hopefully similar. Yeah. Similar. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. How do you take care of all the authors that are coming in from out of town? Yeah, we we pride ourselves on keeping the authors happy. Turns out you mostly just need to feed them. But <laughs> that's, that's the case with most artists. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Portland's a food town. Mm-hmm. So some of the fiction writers are including Kristen Arnett yeah. of... She wrote mostly dead things. Mm-hmm. Can you yeah. tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, she. I believe I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but I'm not too far off. I don't think she described it as um, her lesbian Florida taxidermy novel, and so <laughs> it's about <laughs> grief and Central Florida. It's really funny. Mm. Kristen's amazing. She's doing. I think three events, three or four events at the festival. And mm. then she's also going to be at Livewire. Oh, and great. then she's doing one of our other partner events, um, which is with the Film Center, where we have authors. It's called Film to Page. And we invite festival authors to select a film that influences or inspires them. And then Northwest Film Center screens the film. And mm-hmm. there's a Q&A with the author after. Wow. And Kristen chose Drop Dead Gorgeous, which is <gasps> a cult classic, an amazing oh, movie. That's so, great. That's I, I'm pretty sure that one's on Friday night, so um, that's a great chance to to see what inspires Kristen Arnett. Um, yeah. But that's one of my favorite books of the year. It's oh. it's really wonderful. It's it's great. And you also have a short story collection by Molly Gloss, mm-hmm. Unforeseen, collected Oregon short writer. stories of Molly Gloss. Yes. Yeah, Molly's of course amazing. Mm-hmm. She's a living legend at yes. this point. Um, and so we're really, really proud to have her in the festival as well. Yeah, that's exciting. Short story yeah. is such a wonderful genre. You really get a very, uh, what's the word, potent mm-hmm. story. Yeah, I love short stories. Mm-hmm. There's a, and then there's actually a lot of short stories in the festival this mm-hmm. year and some really strong collections. And Interesting. So if it's something maybe someone hasn't dabbled in yet. It's mm-hmm. a good opportunity to hear from some of the best short story writers out there today. And then you also have Peter Rock who wrote The Night Swimmers. Mm-hmm. Another Portlander. Yes. Yeah. And Peter's on a, uh, in an event with Mitch actually. Ye- oh, so, no kidding. Yeah. What will that be? Um, that is called Self-Portrait Memoir, Autofiction and History. And it's Pete, Mitch and Deborah Gwartney with Elena Passarello. So. That is fascinating because it feels to me as an actor and reading what people are writing about, or I guess mostly what I'm interested in is this reclaiming history. Mm-hmm. And it seems that certainly in Oregon and many other states, you know, on which there are native cultures, mm-hmm. um, there are so many stories yet to be told. Mm-hmm. And a memoir or a personal story is, is just an incredible opportunity for yeah. people to talk about what their story is. Yeah, and all three of those books combine a personal story and in different formats. Peter's book, of course, is a novel, but mm-hmm. it's an autobiographical novel combine personal memories and and a personal experience with larger history. You saw in Survival Math, like Mm -hmm. Mitchell starts with a description of, I think, the first black man in Oregon. Mm -hmm. Um, Deborah's book also, which is called I Am a Stranger Here Myself, um, talks about a frontier pioneer woman, a Mm -hmm. white woman. I think she's the first white woman to cross the Cascades. She came as a missionary and talks about being a woman in the West. And so this combination of you're putting your own story alongside a historical real person, Mm. um, I think is really interesting. And I love doing multi-genre events Mm. like that, Mm -hmm. mixing things up. Um, So I'm excited about that one. It's exciting too to see where an artist comes from. I would imagine 
poet, a poet versus mm-hmm. a novelist versus a short story writer or a biographer, for instance. Mm-hmm. You know, some people come from a research perspective, from a, a more an art. I wouldn't I want to say more, but uh, just various points of view how yeah. they come into their work. Yeah, one of um, another one of my favorite books this year that's in the festival mm-hmm. is. A poet, Anthony McCann, he wrote a book called Shadowlands, which is a nonfiction book about the Malheur occupation. Oh, interesting. Um, which I forgot, but that took place in January 2016. Yes. Um, so before the election. And he talks about the actual occupation and what led up to it and also like the history of different occupations on that land mm. and the way different communities reacted, larger implications for protest movement and resistance and then the trial and the aftermath of that event as well Mm. um so that he's not i don't think he's from oregon but it is a very oregon book in a lot of ways Mm. and having this like poetic perspective on it yes he definitely is it's first person like he's talking about his own it's not a fly on the wall kind of history like Mm -hmm. it's he's inserting himself into it in a lot of ways and It's really good. Oh, that sounds great. Mm-hmm. So he's in an event on, I'm going to cheat and look at my thing, called um, Indivisible Politics and Protest with Tina Chang, who's a poet. Oh, yes. Um, I read something by her. In fact, I was looking at her work mm-hmm. as well. She's great. She's the um, poet laureate of Brooklyn. Yes. And the then, first poet laureate of Brooklyn. Is I that think right? so. She's held the position for of a number of years yes, now. I, th- I think um, I might've read that. I'll have to double check myself now. Yeah. But her <laughs> book is really great. And then the third person on that panel is Wendy Willis, who's mm. a local poet who has an essay collection out called these are strange times, my dear. Mm. And they'll be talking to John Freeman, who's also a poet, but also an editor and writes nonfiction and as a critic. So it's these like multi-talented folks all kind of talking about the current state of affairs. So for those of us who look at a calendar such as the one you just picked up to mm-hmm. quote unquote cheat on, which I can't imagine you not picking it up because there are so many events going uh-huh. on. How well, on I like earth. Made them all, so I should remember what they <laughs> Do are. Do you just like twirl your finger around mm-hmm. and poke and think, okay, well, I'll go there first because lots of things happen yeah. happening simultaneously, of course. Yeah, I actually think that's not a bad strategy. <laughs> so <laughs> we also have the pop-up events, which are short readings in the galleries at the art museum. Oh, great. Where we pair the artists, the writer's written work Mm -hmm. with thematically, we pair that with visual art in the museum. My colleague Liz Olofsson programs all of that. Wow. And so that's also if you're just like, I'm not sure what to do, just go walk around the museum and you might stumble on a poet. (laughs) That's kind of nice, the idea of stumbling on anything nowadays mm -hmm. when things are so well scheduled and, you know, there's so much going on. Life is very dense or Mm -hmm. so it seems. And those are scheduled. So if there is someone that you really want to see, you can make sure that you get to the gallery in time. Mm-hmm. But I think with a festival environment and with everything that's going on, it's good to choose a, f- a couple events, mm-hmm. like two or three that you definitely don't want to miss and make sure that you get there to get in line in time to make sure right. that you get in and get a seat. Um, but also just be open, open to new things. If you mm-hmm. didn't get in, there's always, there's another event starting literally every 15 minutes, including the pop-up. And there's over a hundred events throughout just during the festival day between Mm. the onstage events and the pop-ups. So it's impossible to not be able to see anything. Um, So a lot of authors are doing multiple events too. So if you, if there's some, like if there's two events you want to go to at the same time, check Mm. and see if some of the authors from one of them might be appearing somewhere else and then you can have it all. (laughs) So. So I have to ask this before we part, what 
books are on your nightstand or what audiobooks are on mm-hmm. your playlist right now? Well, I am still reading festival books. Mm-hmm. I try to read as many as I can. Oh, I don't, that's great. I'm not able to read all of them, but mm-hmm. I really try to read as many as I can. So mm-hmm. I finally started Steph Cha's Your House Will Pay, mm-hmm. um, which is great so far. Um, it's really intense, but really good. She's mm. she's a wonderful writer, so I'm excited about that. And then after I have, I don't know what life is like after the festival at this point. So I never, I didn't have, think about that. What, yeah. What's your, what's your November 11th? Yeah. Well, we, um, we actually have a Portland, Lar- Portland arts and lectures event on November 14th. Oh and my. so with Amor Tolls. And so I will be revisiting his work to, to get ready for that. Wow. Um, usually in December, <laughs> this is true. Um, usually in December, I read a book by someone who's dead because I can't possibly make it for work because they can't come like, do Portland arts and lectures or come to the festival. Well, I don't know. You know, you could maybe have a seance or something. I I don't don't want to make your December terrible, so don't do that. Last year I read uh, Rachel Carson's The Sea Around Us. Oh, so interesting because I just finished Maria Popova's Figuring. Oh, she's great. Yeah, Yeah, and um, Rachel Carson figures into that book. I want to read more of her, but I'm always reading really new stuff because yeah. of my job and because I'm looking for those new books for the festival. And yes. I'm like that annoying person who when I recommend a book, I'm like, oh, it's out in four months or whatever. <laughs> you do not um, seem annoying to me. Oh, thank you. <laughs> There's nothing um, annoying about cheering yeah. books. <laughs> so I take, take a break in December and, and read, read someone who I can't possibly try to bring to Portland for, for whatever <laughs> bring reason. Back to life. <laughs> yeah. So... Well, thank you so much for talking to me. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. The Portland Book Fair is amazing. Check out the website. It's literary-arts.org. And certainly after the book fair is over, there are so many other events to avail yourself Mm -hmm. of. We have free events every week at the office space. It's pretty fantastic. So get thee to the library, get thee to (laughs) literary arts, read, enjoy words, enjoy the day, and stay warm. And now, a little bit of time with Chip Miller from Portland Center Stage. He is directing Redwood There by Brittany K. Allen. It runs through November 17th. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Adventures in Artslandia. I am talking to Chip Miller, the associate producer at Portland Center Stage and director of Redwood by Brittany K. Allen. Thanks, Chip, so much for talking to me today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk with you. Yeah, thanks. Uh, now, the show is running October 26th through November 17th, and it has been described as Ancestry.com gone wrong with dancing, DNA, and dark truths. I want to see that show. Yeah, I do, too. I, it's, I was thinking about Ancestry.com, of course, and so many people are doing it, and the play really uncovers a fascinating bit of information that motivates the story to move and move and move. Indeed, indeed. Of uh, What happens when you find out that your ancestry connects you to more people in different ways than you ever could have imagined? And what is the hilarity slash trouble that will ensue? Mm-hmm. Um, it's the, 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 the idea is that this interracial couple has just moved in together. And at the time that they move in, their, her uncle begins this ancestry project through Ancestry.com and discovers that their family was owned by the boyfriend's family. And what an existential crisis that is for this couple. Yeah, it's really fascinating. I imagine, did, how did Brittany come upon this idea? Was there anything that spurred it that was in her real life? 
Um, I believe that she has an aunt who uh, was getting really interested in Ancestry.com at the time when she was trying to write a play about interracial relationships and the two ideas sort of converged. Mm -hmm. But I know she's been working on it for five or six years. So I think that there was the seed of the idea and then it's just lived for so long and it's become about so much more, but that's still just the end to it of what happens when when you get that kind of information. Is mm-hmm. it unimpeachable? Yeah, interesting too. I wondered why the title Redwood. Um, you know, the idea of family trees mm-hmm. and growing, the idea that this family tree wants to grow big and strong to be the biggest, strongest, tallest tree in the forest. So fascinating in light of all the stories uh, that are being revealed through Ancestry.com and other such uh, ways to dig into your family history. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, we actually did a workshop of this play at the Kansas City Repertory Theater in January of 2018 when I was still working there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wanted my whole family to come see the reading because I thought they'd really enjoy the play. And so I put it in their calendars three months in advance. Mm-hmm. And my mom got really excited by the premise. So for Christmas that year, she got everyone in the family an Ancestry.com DNA testing kit so that we could all go and do our ancestry. Um, and it was really fascinating to start this process having just gotten that information and what it illuminated for, um, it meant different things to different people in the family. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way in which we use this DNA and this heritage as a way to make sense of ourselves as, as a, what does this mean? What does it tell us about ourselves and where we come from and where we're going. Mm. How does it feel to you, I mean, after coming from Kansas City and now ensconcing yourself in Portland, to provide space for artists and audience to converge? What's that mean to you in Portland? Um, I think on, on a, a macro level, all I want is a space for audience and artists to converge, whether that's in Portland, Kansas City, or anywhere else. I think that that, there is something about the communion between a a group of artists telling a story to a rapt audience that is so special and so necessary, um, and that we've found our ways with our phones and our technology, uh, ways to consume entertainment and art in a vacuum. Mm. And it's lovely. I mean, who doesn't want to stay in bed all day and watch Netflix? Mm. Uh, But there's something so special and so vital about experiencing something in a room with other people, uh, particularly other people who are making it because Mm. it's special. It's live. It's a singular experience. The people who saw Redwood last night have a singular experience that no other person who sees Redwood will have because the show they saw existed only for last night and whoever sees it tonight is going to get a completely different experience. Um, They'll have plenty to talk about because there's obviously overlap, but the beauty of the theater of this is special for us. It lives in the ephemera. Mm -hmm. Um, And and then to get onto the micro of Portland, what I've loved in my almost seven months in Portland is just getting a sense for this theater scene and this art scene and how there's this total DIY, let's get in the mud and (laughs) make art that is special and of this place. Mm. Uh, The the, the art here has its own DNA. There is uh, a level of experimentation. There's a level of 
desire to talk about politics and social issues. There, it's a, a highly literate town that loves to do text analysis, and so mm. it's really interesting to be here and see, like, oh, that's what we're craving as I go to see shows, and um, just trying to put myself into that conversation and put my work into conversation with all of the amazing work that's happening here. Um, and then I think just for myself, I, I, I love deeply deep theatricality mm. and, um, and things that make you want to dance and cry at the same time. Well, speaking so, of dance, there is a lot of dance in this piece. There is a lot of dance in this piece. It's choreographed by Darrell Grand Moultrie, who is an astounding artist and collaborator. And we, the, the first scene of the play is set in a dance studio. The uncle, in addition to being deeply interested in Ancestry.com, is also taking uh, hip-hop dance lessons. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when we started uh, talking about it, we knew that there were going to be these moments that needed to be highly choreographed with hip hop dance classes. And what became really exciting as we started designing the play is that the base of the set is a dance studio. Like you will walk into the theater and it just looks like your average dance studio that you want to dance in. And uh, what was really exciting about that was that it allowed a space to let dance be more prominent throughout the play. So there are, scenes that are set in dance studios, but then using the transitions because we have this ensemble of dancers, um, using them to help us usher from scene to scene and really put storytelling in between scenes that is more tonal, more fun, um, more movement based. Mm. Uh, and that, that feels really exciting to me. A, a lot of my uh, training and background comes from the world of dance theater and device theater. Mm. And so I'm always interested in how does movement live in a world? How how can stories be told without words? Because so frequently there is there's that unspeakable feeling that exists in a play, but w- th- there's no text for it. It's just that feeling exists. And so to have someone like Darrell come and give life to that physicality and to speak those truths through something other than words has been really special. Uh, I just want to mention everyone in the show, and Brittany K. Allen, who wrote the piece, is also starring in it. Yes. So there's yes, yes, yes. Brittany K. Allen, Orion Bradshaw, Nick Ferrucci, Charles Grant, Tyrone Mitchell Henderson, Jennifer Lanier, Ashley Mellinger, and Andrea Vernay. And there are many familiar names in the cast. And what's it like to have the opportunity to cross local artists with some artists from other regions? Um, For me, it's always a high priority if you are working in a community that you work with the other artists in the community of the only way we can make this city and this art community strong is by working with each other and supporting each other and giving each other work. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's very vital to, to me to make sure that we are continuing that conversation. So I'm so thrilled to be working with such a large group of local artists, and I, I hope and intend to continue working with as many local artists as possible. And so that's been really exciting because there are so many fantastic actors, designers, directors in Portland. It's just going to see the work and 
getting excited by, oh, I would love to work with that person. Oh, I can't believe the beautiful work that person did in that show. Mm-hmm. And then I think that like there, there is always something special about mixing local and out of town because it's about widening the perspective of mm-hmm. every collaborator you bring into a room brings their experience and their perspective into it. And so the more varied the experiences and perspectives you have in the room, the more dynamic the work will be because it's it's not all coming from the same input. I read that you want to put Black Joy on stage, and I'd love to hear you describe that. Well, you know, I, I guess it's the thing of so much of the art that I watched growing up that was featured Black bodies and Black families that wasn't made by Black people centered on this idea of Black pain. Um, and even some art made by black people, that it seems like the thing that we've been taught to digest in the media is that black people are always in pain. Uh, and, and that's a really hard pill to swallow when you're reifying this image that inherent in your life is sadness. I, I do think inherent in most of our lives is sadness, but it doesn't exist in a vacuum like that. It, mm. You can have the worst day in the world and there's still probably something joyful that happens in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of like in our brains, we're not we're not thinking about one thing at one point in time only. We're usually carrying a thousand different things in our head that are varying shades of painful and joyful and happy and sad and frustrating and easy and dynamic and magical and spectacular. And all of those things exist together. And I, I want in my work to say if I'm I'm putting people in pain, I also want to show them in joy, um, particularly black people, because I I think growing up, I, I had a lot of struggles trying to say, like, well, I don't see myself. I, I, I see someone who looks like me, but I don't see myself. And uh, there is joy in my life and, uh, and mixed with the pain. So how do you let that dynamic actually exist? Well, it sounds as though this play is a perfect vehicle for such thoughts because it is a traditional story of a couple in love and moving toward marriage and all those joyful things. They happen to be a biracial couple and also grappling with a history of human ownership. And I I see in one of the descriptives that the environment is overpopulated with ghosts. And I just, I love that. I love the idea as you're speaking about how things coexist, that there are ghosts and some of the stories that they carry are, are filled with grief. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One of the, my favorite lines in the play is, I don't know how you feel like you can separate the past and the present. And it, to me, it, it, it's a, a, a very special and clarifying line in terms of, I, we can't. We can't, and, and particularly in this country, we, the, the past is around us. It, our history is what has brought us to today. Mm-hmm. And so we have to understand the past to move through the present, to get to the future. And so no matter where we are, there are always ghosts with us, um, or, or whatever you believe. They're, mm-hmm. they're, the, the voices in our head, the spirits that are guiding us, the ancestors looking down. There's always some energy that is present because no matter where we are, someone was there before. I think about being in the armory building and it's so special to be here now and to have such a welcoming environment and a place where art is being made. But I think it's also in conversation with what was this building intended to be? Mm -hmm. 
and, and how do we reconcile those two things because they exist at the same time. I'm curious as a director, uh, when you start your day, you know, one of your jobs is to bring together people, some of whom have never met before, to make this story together. How do you start the creative day? I know you're already running the show, so you're in a little bit of a different mode than you were when you started out, but are there things that you do that help you bond these humans who are going to be making work together? Um, my favorite thing to do, I, 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 if I can manage it in the schedule, unfortunately, I've worked with a lot of good stage managers who have ceded to my request and made sure that there's time in the schedule. I love to start every day with a dance party. Mm. Uh, I think it's a really great way to, in, in many ways, it's a ritual of mm -hmm. we're all coming in from different places in our lives. We all carry stuff with us all day long. Um, you never know what someone else is going through. But the beauty of making something and being in rehearsal is, okay, we get to shake off whatever's in our life and come into this room and focus on telling the story and telling the story together. And so to start the day with something that feels communal and joyful and there's no wrong way to do it. It's just, we're gonna put on a song and we're all gonna dance and we're gonna find our way into this room together and check in with each other through that. That, mm. that for me is, is very special and sacred. And beyond that, then it's just diving into the script, diving into the story. Um, I, I like to just listen to a play um, and listen to my collaborators to see where is the play telling us we want to go. Mm -hmm. um, I think that so frequently we get lost as we're making something and building it and we're like, I don't know what to do. And the, the, the way I find through solving pro problem solving is just listen closer to the play. It's telling you something. You may not be able to hear it yet, but it's going to tell you what it is. And so it's just learning how to listen to the play and through your collaborators, that's how you hear it. Mm -hmm. um, hear the, I hear the play, heard the play so much more clearly as soon as we did our first table read with that group of actors because they clarify so many things. I heard the play so much clearer when we got into the room, into the space, and had the set and the lights and the sound and all like that. That helps clarify. And now, being in previews and having audiences, that clarifies more because it allows me to hear the play again. And mm -hmm. so, um, I think it's always just. What is the story we're trying to tell and where are the moments where we're telling it well and where are the moments that we could be telling it better? How is it working with an actress who also wrote the piece? Uh, did you get to a place or maybe you were there before you began rehearsal when uh, changes were verboten? Um, you know, it's, it, it has been pretty smooth. Brittany and I actually, uh, we did our undergrad together at NYU's Tisch School of the Arts. We were in the Playwrights Horizon studio together. And so in undergrad, we made a lot of work together and um, mostly devised work. And we're really good friends throughout our college experience. But I, when I moved to Kansas City, we just lost contact. So this process for the last two years of being able to develop this play with her has, one, been a really great chance to reconnect with an old friend, but two, to reconnect with an old collaborator and learn how do we work together now? And particularly the balance of actor playwright is is such a, a finicky funny weird one because she's inside it but also trying to think from the outside of it but she's inside of it in two different ways mm -hmm. uh, but we just we we are very lucky to have on this production and in-house at pcs uh, a dramaturg benjamin feinstein who 
just gets to be in the room as a voice for Brittany that's thinking about the play while she has to be inside of it mm. um, so that she does have this advocate who is looking at the script specifically. And, and then it's just been Brittany and I am being very clear with each other and, and, and honest and open of some days she'll say, hey, I, I, I need to be an actor brain and can you give me just a day an actor brain? Or some days it's, hey, can we stop? I need to like talk to you and playwright brain. Mm. And so just trying to be very clear and say, what do you need in these moments? And, and knowing that as long as she's supported, we're going to be fine hmm. because she's so immensely talented as both a writer and a performer that it's just about giving her the space to make the art that she makes. Hmm. What do you see as the path to new playwriting here in Portland? Um, well, I, I, I feel lucky to have been able to... Uh, go and see a couple of the Limestorm readings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm still excited to know more about new works in Portland and see other companies and how they're doing them. But I think it, just in general, new works is such a vital part of our industry. Mm-hmm. It, it is the only way that we're going to make the next round of classics is to invest in these new playwrights who are making new works. Mm-hmm. And what excites me as we read new works and get to produce them and see them in reading is that it's a generation of playwrights coming up right now who are pushing limits and pushing what our idea of a, a play and what a new play is. Um, and, and so I'm excited to see how that exists. I can't wait for Fertile Ground this year because I've never gotten to experience it. Yeah, I was just, just thinking about that. So yeah, I, I, I'm really excited to learn what new works really looks like in this city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll definitely get uh, quite a, a wonderful look into that. Uh, the Fertile Ground Festival is January 30th through February 9th, coming up in 2020. And I've only heard good things about it. I, I, I really can't wait because it's there's nothing better than seeing things the first time. There's a special feeling to that. I, I think what's been so incredible about Redwood is where all, every single person who touches it, who's touched it since we started rehearsals or even before when we programmed it, they're touching it for the first time. And so every decision, every thought, every conversation, every moment with this play on this production becomes a part of the DNA of that play going on. And I, I know this play is going to have a long life after this. In fact, it has two productions already lined up after this. Mm. And so that the the way in which every person, and this includes audience, engages with it, is instrumental in how it will make its way into the world going forward. And I think that's what's so special about being in a place where new works are being made. Mm-hmm. Of With Fertile Ground, anyone who interacts with those works will be contributing to the DNA of those pieces as they live on. Mm-hmm. And so I think that to be able to be in a place where we're making new works is to say that we are, as a community, are deeply interested in contributing to the canon and to the future of our industry. Hmm. So one last personal question. What's on your nightstand or on your Audible playlist or on your music playlist right now that you are just eating up? (laughs) Um, I am currently reading... Kindred by Octavia Butler, and a chapbook called A Year in Loss and Faggotry by T.S. Leonard. 
and musically i it's an it's an album that's a, a a few months old but i can't stop listening to igor by tyler the creator it just has been on repeat for me for about three months and i just finished season six of bojack horseman or part one mm-hmm. um i did that all in one day and it, it it's i love that show i think it's one of the funniest and most inventive television shows that's out right now and i think it is able to be a satire that talks about very real deep things in one moment. Hmm. Well, thank you so much, Chip, for talking to me. This was Chip Miller, who is the director of Redwood by Brittany K. Allen, which is running at Portland Center Stage October 26th through November 17th. And you can check out all sorts of interesting information and you can watch a video and all sorts of wonderful uh, ways to take a look at the play before you go. It's opening on Friday night, and I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Uh, And let's see. Thanks, Chip, for talking to me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Mm -hmm. Check out PCS.org. I want to reach 50% more listeners in the next three months, and I need your help. Will you share and subscribe? If I reach my goal, let's invent a cocktail to celebrate. How about an adventure Rita in Artslandia? Or do you have a better idea?